It is time for midday. It's eleven thirty here at KRBN on the fourth day of November. Tyler Cavalli along with you. We'll talk to Jason Jorgensen and sports here in just a couple of moments. Very busy. Bob Brogan catching up on election night coverage last night, and we'll also get a report on the business side of things uh, of what's to come. And uh, busy, busy day that is for sure. It's also a beautiful day as we're seeing mostly seventies and going to see eighties popping up before the day is over. But let's get started with our own Susan Littlefield to give us a preview of what is to come on Midday. Well, thanks, Tyler. Here's what's happening on a Midday from the farm team. I'll kick everything off at 1219 as I continue my conversation with Stan Garbitz. He talks about an interesting story about Tokyo Disney and Nebraska beef. And Alex will step in at 1245 as the Nebraska Community Foundation will be hosting their annual celebration next week. The foundation president, Jeff Yost, shares the details. Then at 117, Bryce steps in as he hears from Jeff Peterson with Heartland Farm Partners about the role the funds have had on the commodity markets. And a quick shout out, happy 19th birthday to my daughter Morgan. That's a look at the midday from the farm team. Thank you very much, Susan. We'll turn it over to sports and Jason Jorgensen. Well, today's the first day of state volleyball, all at Pinnacle Bank Arena. They have extended it by one day. This should, I think this is going to be a solid move by the NSAA. I would agree. It's something they probably should have done a while back. Uh, the pandemic kind of forced them into it uh, this time around. We'll see how it works. Uh, action is underway in Class B. Earlier today, Scott, they were able to sweep Northwest. Also in Class B, it was Norris uh, sweeping Aurora. And some matches going on at this time. York is taking on Elkhorn. And Elkhorn, with a very good team, is able to win the first set 28-26. Although the wow. Dukes put some pressure on them. Also, it's Ashland Greenwood. Uh, they were able to take the first set over Waverly, 25-21. Well, you and I discussed uh, potential things for state basketball, what you might do for there. I suppose with what we discussed yesterday, if you're just getting caught up, uh, if you do some stuff at Bob Devaney Center and Pinnacle Bank Arena, you could almost do that with volleyball as well and have a, a good format. It's walkable distance. Why not? Why not? So. And it would get the games out of the high schools, which some people have had an issue with for a while. They're just they're just not big enough, especially when you get right. okay, you have the one game ending and then the other game is behind it when everybody's shuffling through. Well, yeah. and I feel so bad for those uh, not not necessarily the actual officials, but the NSA officials are yelling on the mic, "Get out of here! <laughs> yeah. Come on, the next game's starting." Basically, and we've so. each been there before as a broadcaster, and someone else needs your spot, and then they're breathing down your neck, or you need that spot. And it's like <laughs> looking at your watch, saying, "Hey, you're limited to a ten minute post game show, buddy." Yeah, so. if looks could kill during those kind of events, we would not have many broadcasters. That's for sure. So busy busy day. Appreciate that. Uh, let's turn it over to Bob. Uh, wonderful job on the news team yesterday with election coverage, I thought. that thought you guys did a great job. Uh, how is the markets looking so far here in response to, well, what little information we have? Stocks are higher in trading on Wall Street and investors putting more money into big tech companies. Uh, the U.S. services sector, where most Americans work, registered its fifth consecutive month of expansion in October. The U.S. trade deficit fell in September after hitting a 14-year high. And, of course, uh, we're still waiting for results in the presidential race, uh, how that will uh, eventually shake out. We don't know at this point, but uh, that's bound to have some impact on the markets down the road. And when you shouted, get out of here, I thought I was back in high school. And, uh, you know, the uh, guidance counselor was yelling at me or something. On that note, we will... 
2020 has been a difficult year for everyone. And now producers turn their attention to next year and what the carryover will be as they set their budgets. On our next Rural Radio Forum, we'll delve into farm financing during the COVID pandemic. To understand the obstacles and strategies for 2021, we'll hear from decision makers across Nebraska. Dustin O'Hanlon of O'Hanlon Seeds in Lexington, Jason Smith of FM Bank in West Point, and Bruce Everly of Robo Bank. It's the Rural Radio Forum, November 17th, 3 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Mountain Time on KRBN. It is time for our regional ag weather update brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation, your Renke dealer. That means Paul Perkins is now stepping back in. And Well, Paul, yesterday we had talked about potentially seeing record highs. Did we see any of that across much of our region? Yeah, there were a few locations that did at least get close to that and actually set some record highs. A lot of us getting into the low to mid-80s. Today, a little bit cooler, but still up near some record territory for some temperatures as we head towards the end of the day. A little bit of cloud cover right now over central and east areas of Nebraska and Kansas, holding the temperatures down just a little, especially if you're along and southeast of a line from O'Neill to Broken Bow and McCook, but otherwise increasing amounts of sunshine on the way for the afternoon. They don't look like thick clouds, so I assume those might be burned off by the end of the, well, in a couple hours, I would assume. Exactly, yeah. They'll be out tracking off towards the east and pretty much dissipating as the afternoon goes on here. Love it. Meanwhile, today's temperatures already seeing 70s and maybe even some 80s. Yes, already above normal for our daytime highs at the noon hour here with temperatures for most of us in the upper 60s to the low 70s. A little bit warmer where we've been seeing a little more sunshine as you head towards northeast Colorado and northwest Kansas where temperatures are currently in the upper 70s to the low 80s already to 81 this hour at Oakley, Kansas. And those warmer temperatures will continue to move to the east. Today going to be day three of our six-day stretch of 70-degree-plus weather across the area for this first week of November, the month of November, getting off to a very mild start. Near-record highs in the upper 70s to low 80s expected today with some light northwest winds. These clouds moving through the region from a trough of low pressure tracking towards east, and those light northwest winds in behind that trough of low pressure. Our temperatures for tomorrow through Saturday will still be about 20 degrees warmer than average with the approach of low pressure by Friday into Saturday. Some increase in south winds will lead to near-critical fire weather conditions. Rain chances return by Saturday night into Sunday with the passage of a cold front. Right now, just looking at some small chances of rain with that cold front. Our temperatures on Sunday still on the mild side at 15 degrees warmer than average. The bigger change arriving Sunday night into Monday when some colder air dives south. And something to watch, low pressure tracking out of the four corners will swing some moisture our way. That added moisture and colder air will increase our chances for some rain-snow mix conditions for Sunday night into Tuesday. In the latest long-term forecast, colder than normal temperatures are likely for Nebraska and Kansas that early half of next week. The cold air retreats some to the west for seasonal or near-normal temperatures by late next week through November 17th. Above normal precipitation, likely the early half of next week for Nebraska and Kansas. The outlook trends near normal to slightly below normal precipitation late next week through the 17th. Weather factors influencing the markets include light rain for Argentina and limited rain for wheat areas of the Black Sea region. In the Midwest and Northern Plains, warm and dry weather the rest of this week will favor late-stage harvest. Much colder weather with wintry precipitation is forecast within 10 days from now for the Midwest and Northern Plains. The Southern Plains also expected to stay dry and warm this week. Western areas still in need of moisture and very little precipitation is indicated the next 7 to 10 days 
Winter wheat ratings are well below a year ago and only 41% good to excellent. The Kansas crop rating shows less than 30% of the wheat crop rated good to excellent. Argentina crop areas will have dry conditions to light rain the next seven days. Soil moisture and short supply over northern and western crop areas of Argentina. And the drier trend offers no meaningful easing of their soil moisture concerns. Russian wheat areas will only see scattered light showers the balance of this week. Total rainfall less than Total rainfall is less than half the long-term average over the past three months. The Black Sea region still likely to go into the dormant phase for winter wheat with soil moisture deficits. Well, I know we have talked to many farmers and producers that they're not done harvesting, so they're probably loving your forecast. <laughs> yes, uh, a popular time of the year to have above normal temperatures, and especially this warm uh, for the first week of October or November here. And you know, it's a we're looking at pretty much a seven-day stretch here mm-hmm. of at least the upper 60s plus on the daytime highs because we're still going to be in the upper 60s on Sunday, despite a cold front moving through. All right, very good. For more weather information, if you're Harvester, where can you find that at? WeatherTab, krvn.com. Thank you very much, Paul. Our journey has ended, and KRVN, the River, and Cami congratulate Rodney Barwick of Orleans. Awesome, awesome. Man, that just made my year. <laughs> this is great. He's the new winner of the 2020 Chevrolet Blazer, blazing new trails thanks to these sponsors. Lexington Regional Health Center, Cornerstone Bank, member FDIC, with 43 locations serving Nebraska, Nutrien Ag Solutions, and Heartland Chevrolet and Buick, Lexington. Watch the giveaway on the Fun and Games page at krvn.com. District. As you may have heard by now, Stan Garbus is the 2020 recipient of the Nebraska Farm Bureau's Silver Eagle Award. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. As I spoke to Stan yesterday, I asked him what was his most memorable experience when it came to serving Nebraska agriculture as the state's ag trade representative. Getting Disneyland Hong Kong to not only carry our beef, but also put it down as it was Nebraska beef. And uh, Disney, I found, you know, I we would put on, um, uh, like in Hong Kong, we'd put on, um, uh, you know, evening um, receptions. And, uh, you know, the FAS office would help me invite people, and we'd invite, you know, all sorts of different people. And and the the head chef for Disneyland uh, Hong Kong came quite often, and um, and so I kept talking to him and talking to him over oh a year and a half, two years, and uh, finally he said, "Well, next time you're in Hong Kong, why don't you come out and I'll buy you a cup of coffee." And so uh, he we went out there and he said, "I'd really like to try it, but you know, Disney has a policy that we don't promote anybody's brand." And I go, "Hmm, well." I think that you should. This this would be a real good move on your part. And to make a very long story short, then within a year after that meeting, they started running it in their buffet lines. And they showed it as uh, Nebraska beef. They put it in their menus in the finer restaurants that they had. And, uh, and so that uh, ended up uh, being a mainstay there. And uh, and it 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 was just it was just so funny that it that we you know it's always fun to do something that somebody says you can't do, and the other thing that I just remembered is um, we were working with this um, grocery store chain in in Tokyo, 
and we this is a, a kind of more of a personal story than anything else uh but and so we were working with them and and working with them and they said well we really you know want to get this whole program kicked off would you come over and just go around to all of our stores and do help do the promotions you know give out samples you know you're you're tall you're obviously american and everything that people that'll be a real eye catcher and i said sure and so I went there, and I was over there for about a week and just went from one place to another to another, city to city, in and around Tokyo. And uh, it went really well. Well, it was the last night, and it must have been like Saturday night or something. I don't remember, but I was leaving the next day, and we had done this. And the owner of the company said that he'd like to take, you know, take me out to dinner that night. And I said, sure. And he says, my son will come by and pick you up. And so um, to shorten this story up is that picked me up and we headed out of downtown Tokyo and all of a sudden we I saw Disneyland at the distance and then I and to make a I've got to shorten this up here we ended up being in Disneyland and um, we went up this back stairway and we had this beautiful dinner and his dad was there and and then all of a sudden the coffee came. And at that moment, they opened up these drapes behind the dad, and we were on the intersection of the where the Main Street Parade, electrical parade, started. Found out this guy was part owner of, to- of Disneyland Tokyo. A unique story about Nebraska beef and Tokyo Disney. That's comments with Stan Garbitz. I'm Susan Littlefield, the World Radio Network. Time to take a look at our midday sports. Man to do the job. It was Jason Jorgensen. Hey, thanks, Tyler. Well, the expanded NSAA State High School Volleyball Tournament is underway in Lincoln. Earlier today in Class B, Northwest was swept by Scott and Aurora was swept by Norris. In Class A tonight, North Platte takes on Elkhorn South at 7. In Class B at this time, York is playing Elkhorn at C1. Adams Central faces off against Wahoo at 2. Broken Bow battles arch-rival St. Paul this afternoon at 2. Carney Catholic plays Lincoln Lutheran after that. Now, classes C2, D1, and D2 all start their quarterfinal action tomorrow. UNK and Shatteron State will play football on Saturday for the first time since the Lopers left the Armac, and head coach Josh Lynn is glad it all worked out. You know, when this whole thing broke where, you know, they're going to let some Nebraska collegiate schools play football, um, you know, Coach Long called me up and, you know, we got this thing going. And Kickoff on Saturday is set for three. We will bring you the game on 93.1 The River and 106.9 in Kearney. Well, bad news for Wisconsin. The Badgers have canceled Saturday's football game with Purdue as the team continues to have issues with COVID-19. School officials announced yesterday that there were three more players and two additional staffers that tested positive. That brings the program's total number of cases to 27. Of course, they weren't able to play last week against Nebraska. No game this week against Purdue. The Omaha men's basketball team will visit Creighton in a regular season matchup on Tuesday, December 1st. The matchup will be the 44th regular season meeting all-time between the two programs, but the first regular season game since November 30th, 1995. It also marks the first time this game will be played, as each school will be Division I. 
Well, Kansas City Royals left fielder Alex Gordon won his eighth gold glove yesterday, his fourth straight in his final Major League season, and he says this one was a surprise. It's definitely a nice going-away present, that's for sure. Um, I don't think I was expecting it this year, so um, I kind of got a late call uh, about a week ago, and usually I get a call earlier so i didn't i didn't think i won it and then uh when my agent called and told me um it was it was it was great news it was more of a surprise than uh most of the other years so what a great way for him to wrap up his career as he was one of the left fielders of his era also rocky's third baseman nolan arenado won his eighth consecutive gold glove that is a look at sports for more you can check that out anytime at krvn.com Time to take a look at midday news. Ellen Simmons has now stepped in. And Ellen, first off, I want to say nice job last night uh, with election night coverage. Thanks. That you and the rest of the news team did a terrific job. And it's a long night. I know we're still getting the boogers out of our eyes, but yeah. uh, <laughs> hey, that's that's all part of it. All the fun, I suppose. Yeah, that's true. I know. We were both saying that we we got home, couldn't sleep. <laughs> Trying to know what the presidential election outcome might be. Well, that right. obviously didn't matter because we still don't know here at uh, almost 12.30 p.m. Right. Central Time. So it'll be interesting. Uh, but it, it was also interesting last night, I thought, that you know we initially got hit with a big surge yeah. of information from the state. And then it kind of slowed down about right. 9 o'clock. Well, and I think the same situation happened with a lot of counties. Their counters just broke down. <laughs> So many people voting. I believe I saw 73% showed up here in the state of Nebraska, which is a great yeah. turnout. So that's that's terrific stuff. Obviously, we have more information on that, so I don't want to steal all your thunder. <laughs> Take it away. All right. Well, Nebraska voters easily approved a measure Tuesday to strip language from the state constitution that provides an exemption to its ban on slavery. Nebraska is one of several states taking on ballot measures in a climate of racial strife this election, and Nebraska's proposal eliminates a passage in the state constitution dating from the 19th century that allows slavery as punishment for a crime. There was no organized opposition to the measure, which advanced through the legislature this year on a unanimous vote. One other state, Utah, considered a nearly identical measure, and voters there passed an amendment to remove slavery as a punishment for a crime from the state's constitution. The number of people hospitalized with COVID-19 continues to set records in Nebraska, and the state reported 1,440 new cases of the virus on Tuesday. State health officials said there were there were 673 people hospitalized with the virus on Tuesday, up from the previous day's record of 642. The state has reported 74,060 virus cases and 660 deaths since the pandemic began. The rate of new cases in Nebraska ranked seventh highest among the states. Nebraska's largest hospitals have all begun limiting elective surgeries to help ensure they have enough beds free to treat critically ill patients. Well, Democrat Joe Biden has won in the Omaha-based congressional district, a victory that allows him to peel off one of conservatives, Nebraska, conservative Nebraska's five electoral college votes. Nebraska is one of two states that permits its electoral votes to be split, and the statewide winner earns two votes, but the other three votes are decided by the winner of the congressional district. Because President Donald Trump won the statewide vote and in Nebraska's two other districts, he will receive four electoral college votes. By beating Trump in the Omaha district, Biden will earn one vote. To win the presidency, one candidate must win at least 270 of the nation's 538 electoral college votes. 
Shane Munthy of Overton claimed his limit in the first hour of the season, October 31st, turning in a pheasant with an almost 21-inch tail feather. His entry won top prize at the Lexington Veteran Organization's Hunter's Breakfast. For his efforts, Munthy took home an igloo cooler provided by Lexington Orschland Farm and Home. The Veteran Organization thanks everyone that came out for the breakfast. Dawson County Veteran Service Officer Steve Zarr thanks everyone for promoting the event and says despite COVID, they had a turnout that their organizations were happy to see. You can find more news at krvn.com. Thank you very much, Ellen. The Nebraska Community Foundation is hosting its annual celebration next week, and today we're joined by Jeff Yost. He's the president of the foundation. Jeff, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, Alex. It's nice to be here. So first of all, before we dive into this annual celebration, give us an overview of the Nebraska Community Foundation and the things it sets out to do. Sure. Uh, The Nebraska Community Foundation is a community builder. We help uh, hometowns all over the state to build their place, to create new programs, to really engage their citizenry, and to really understand and, and use the abundance we have to make the places that that people want to live and work and raise their families in. Absolutely. So we work in about 270 communities around the state in 82 of 93 counties. Um, And we've been doing this work for about 25 years, and we just, it's a wonderful network. All right. And we were talking before we got going that despite the crazy year that we've had, the Nebraska Community Foundation has still had a really strong impact this year. Tell us more about that. Yeah. Uh, last year, about $37 million was granted and reinvested in Nebraska hometowns through the NCF network. So that's a, that's a lot of money, and that went from everything from helping schools to bridge the learning gap during the springtime when we went to having school at home, to helping elders uh, stay connected to their families. Many, many communities are doing capital projects like swimming pools, weight rooms, additions to their schools or their hospitals, health care clinics, early childhood development centers. And then lots and lots of endowments are being built to help communities to sustain key activities. And most importantly, uh, we help lots and lots of places build an unrestricted endowment for their community, which is money that's going to create a payout every year forever to spend on investments to create change that otherwise may not occur. So that sort of discretionary money has proven to be incredibly important in many, many places. We now have 44 different affiliated funds that have unrestricted endowments of at least $250,000, and each of those are creating at least $10,000 of annual payout. So that's, that's money where leaders can lead, right? They can not only voice their opinion as to what's most important, but then they have resources to be able to invest in that. We're visiting with Jeff Yost. He's the president of the Nebraska Community Foundation. Jeff, uh, the annual celebration for the foundation is coming up next week to celebrate all of these great things that people have put in place for Nebraskans across the state. What are the details of this upcoming celebration? Yeah, I think the first thing to start with is the Nebraska Community Foundation is all about continuous learning. So we're constantly connecting with our affiliated fund leaders and our donors and our partners just to keep learning because the world is changing at a really rapid pace, which means all of us need to keep learning at a really rapid pace. 
once a year, we always have these annual events where we get hundreds of people together and they're learning from one another in terms of the great work they've done in their community, what they would have done differently, uh, including you know national and world-renowned experts on various issues to help us aspire to the things we should be doing, like early childhood development, for instance, or how to get more broadband in our place. Obviously, with the pandemic this year, we can't get hundreds of people together. So we've moved all of this to a virtual platform. So next Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, we'll be having 11 different sessions uh, engaging lots of community leaders from, from around the state to tell their stories and to help their peers learn from them on issues like leadership succession, issues like how to build your unrestricted endowment, uh, grant making, youth engagement, how to recruit more people back to our hometowns, collaboration, all these, you know, all these different subjects of how we can continue to build and evolve our places. Uh, we're really encouraged by the number of young people that have moved back to Nebraska hometowns in the last decade. Lots and lots of counties are seeing uh, young adults in their 20s and 30s coming back. Some of them have young kids or some of them are just starting their families. Um, and we're just trying to continue to figure out what are all the different ways we can support communities in doing that kind of people attraction work. Obviously, this year we found, probably more so than any other year, you really can live and work any place you want to live and work. So the community economic development question today and tomorrow is really, why do I want to live and work and raise my family in this community? You know, the community economic development question used to primarily center around jobs, but now lots and lots of people can bring their job with them. So how do we help communities to be as attractive as possible to magnetize themselves so people want to want to be in community with us? Absolutely. Jeff, I think it's safe to say we could probably talk for hours about the Community Foundation and all of the projects they do and the impact it has, but where is the best place to learn more about the Foundation and this upcoming virtual celebration? You bet. So what I was talking about Monday through Thursday is all the different training sessions. And then there is also an annual celebration next Thursday night at 6.30 Central Time. All of that information can be found on our website. You can either just uh, put Nebraska Community Foundation in your computer search engine, or you can just go to Nebraska Hometown, and that will take you to the Nebraska Community Foundation homepage, and there will be instructions there in terms of being able to participate in the live celebration next Thursday evening. It's free and open to the public. We hope that thousands of people will join us and celebrate the, the really terrific community building work that's happening in hundreds of hometowns around our great state. All right, great information. Thanks so much. Again, we've been joined by Jeff Yost. He is the president of the Nebraska Community Foundation as they're gearing up to host their annual celebration next week. Broadcasting from the Nebraska Soybean Board News Desk, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff, you're listening to the Rural Radio Network. With Business Report, I'm Bob Brogan. Stocks are pushing higher again on Wall Street after spinning through an election night dominated by surprises and sharp swings. The S&P 500 was up 3.3% in early afternoon trading and on pace for its best day in seven months. 
Analysts said the gains came as markets saw the upside of political control in Washington remaining split between Democrats and Republicans, but it followed up on a tumultuous overnight session where U.S. stock futures and bond yields swung up, down, and back again as results showed a race that's still too early to call between President Donald Trump and former Vice President Joe Biden. The U.S. services sector, where most Americans work, registered its fifth consecutive month of expansion in October. The Institute for Supply Management says its index of services activity ticked down to a reading of 56.6 last month, which was 57.8 in September. Any reading above 50 signifies expansion in services industries such as restaurants, department stores, and delivery companies. The U.S. trade deficit fell in September after hitting a 14-year high the previous month as exports outpaced imports. The Commerce Department reports that the gap between what the U.S. sells and what it buys abroad fell to $63.9 billion in September, a decline of 4.7% from a $67 billion deficit in August. Federal Reserve officials are meeting this week with the economy facing growing threats from a resurgence of the coronavirus and from Congress's failure to provide any further aid for struggling individuals and businesses. Yet the Fed will likely end its latest policy meeting Thursday by deciding to wait before determining whether or how to expand the economic support it has been supplying through ultra-low interest rates. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bob Brogan. Understanding the role of the funds in the market. I'm Bryce Duskett reporting on the Rural Radio Network. We continue our weekly series with Jeff Peterson of Heartland Farm Partners where we discuss the markets in a simple way and break down some of the common language that is often used by commodity brokers. As we visited with Jeff earlier this week, we first began our conversation discussing the new week and the new month. Yeah, anytime we come into a, a new week, and, and actually more importantly a new month, just as you said, Bryce, one of the things we take a look at is over the charts. And when we take a look at the charts, you know, as we look at those, we can look at them on a daily basis, a weekly basis, or a monthly basis. And we like to, since it is a new month, take a look at the monthlies. And as I took a look at those this morning for corn and soybeans, they do look higher. You know, we, we traded higher. We didn't pull back quite as far as where the lows that have been the previous month. So from a monthly chart, we look good. However, from a weekly chart, it, it is not as good. And what we're seeing, and we're going to have to watch this price closely this week, is what we're seeing is what we'd call a key reversal down. And, and that's one thing if you have it on a daily chart, but it's another thing that adds a little bit higher significance on a weekly chart. And what that means is that we, try, we traded higher this last week, but then we also traded lower than what the previous week was, and we closed lower than we did the previous week. So we went higher than the previous week, we went lower than the previous week, and we closed lower. So that's a formation we'll want to continue watching. The other thing that we're watching closely right now because of the time of year is South American weather and South American planning progress. Well, each week on this program, Jeff, you and I like to break down some of these terms. Appreciate your willingness to do that. And one of them this week, we're going to talk about the funds. We often hear that in our daily reports. People talk about what are the funds doing. And I was talking with you, in my opinion, about kind of the role of the funds complicates the markets. So break this down. What are the funds and what's their intent and, and uh, purpose in the markets? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And anytime we talk about the funds, really, what we're talking about is uh, on one side of the equation, it's a speculative traders. Usually we refer to the managed money 
type funds and what we're talking about there are individuals that are really focused on just using the market corn soybeans wheat and all the other different commodities out there to physically go ahead and make money so their intent is to buy low and see the market go higher sell higher and see the market go lower or they can buy higher and hope it even goes higher so their intent is to have that happen now they're they do serve an important function and what that function is is that they are filling in that gap between the buyer and the seller so if we just had farmers and we just had commercial buyers and and they wasn't enough of them that were willing to meet in the middle kind of like um, you see sometimes happen in the markets before we had the speculative traders they step in there in the middle and a lot of them may think well I think it's going to go higher I think it's going to go lower so they bring to the market what we call liquidity the willingness to go ahead and be a buyer uh, to a seller or a seller to the buyer they fill in that gap so they they prove an important purpose for us in the markets they never intend to take delivery you uh, kind of as we were talking ahead of time talked about you know it's just like owning a little bit of apple it's a it's a stock for these people they're there to make money yeah that's exactly right their intent on the fund side now there's people who do use the market with the intent to take delivery but the funds as a general rule it do not intend on delivering bushels against those contracts or physically going ahead and receiving bushels because they own contracts. They definitely don't. That again, Jeff Peterson. He's the president of Harlan Farm Partners, also teaches at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. If you'd like to see the full video feature, you can find that on our website. It's ruralradio.com. We'll be back next week with another episode, but for now, broadcasting from the Nebraska Soybean War Studio, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff, I'm Bryce Duskit reporting on the Rural Radio Network. Play Patton on the World Radio Network. Let's check in with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago, publisher of the Daily Newsletter This Week in Grain. John, positive to see soybeans absolutely surging on the day, eventually rising most of the grain complex up with it as the settlements start to come in. But realistically, here in the last half of the trading session, no real big news. It was rather quiet on the trading front. Yeah, from a macro standpoint, I mean, election-wise, it's kind of status quo all day. I, I think... You know, as certain states get to get announced, you maybe see the dollar euro weaken, and that uh, you know gives the dynamic here at commodity markets a little bit of confidence. But in the case of soybeans and corn, I think it's uh, it's South American weather. You know, we're looking at a drier forecast for southern Brazil, northern Argentina, um, and this is more of like the full season type product. So uh, it's a little drier in the center part of Brazil. Not a whole lot of problems yet. I don't think they're going to be writing down a whole lot of yield quite yet, but certainly you know. We don't have the ability to ration beans if China's going to continue to buy at this rate. The U.S. doesn't. Now it's on South America to grow. So we had a breakout move on the November 21. November 21 closed now. The the recent high, it had tested like three times upwards around 985 and closed at 990 today. So that's next year's November soybeans starting to make the March higher. And you have corn breaking out as well. You know, we're still below $4. I got to think you're going to see $4 corn for next year at some point. Uh, the one thing we want to see here, and, and this is still kind of lost in the day, in my opinion, is COVID. Um, you know, that's, that's a huge problem that, that exists with or without a presidential problem. So market finds itself in a lot of uncertainty here. And I would say don't don't feel like there maybe is a trend going here, except in the beans. I think there could be some upside. Yesterday you told us to really watch the currencies. What are you seeing right now? It looks like the dollar's up a little bit. Yeah, so... I, I've just kind of chosen to watch the Euro all, all night last night. I did that combined with the, the betting odds. I talked to you all around 9, 10, and that was right when Florida had dropped. And when that happened, 
the euro got significantly weaker versus the USD, uh, breaking through some support. And then as soon as the Arizona results came out, it was just like maybe an hour later, um, it had completely reversed and was trading back into the range where it was before. So right now it's in that range kind of between 117.50 and 116.50. And uh, I think if it breaks out of that one way or the other significantly, maybe indicating that, you know, something's happened politically. Um, but I don't look for that to happen. It feels to me like this thing's going to be dragged out in the court. And again, John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago. Learn more at danielzagmarketing.com and check out the subscription for John's free newsletter this week in grain. Do remember, though, trading futures and options involve risk of loss. It may not be suitable for all investors. Do consider these risks before investing. Catch John Payne again as a podcast at ruralradio.com. Thank you very much, Clay. That'll wrap up midday here on the fourth day of November if you missed anything, you can go back and listen to our midday podcast available krvn.com and on iTunes.